0: Mud Stories, Episode 22.
1: Your mercy floods my tired soul As you lift me out of my muddy hole You wash me up with your sweet grace And you lead me to a safer place again
2: I think that's one thing that We forget to tell new Christians sometimes that it is going to take time um, and not to panic or not to think that you're doing something wrong because everything doesn't right itself overnight. The one thing I know for sure is I'm so happy I'm free of the mud and that the pit I was in as a hermetist and it's all because of Jesus.
0: Hi, my name is Jackie Watkins, your host, and you're listening to Mud Stories. A podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments, hope to make it through your mud, and encouragement for you to know that you are not alone. Hey friends, welcome back to the Mud Stories Podcast. Today I have a very special guest, someone who's near and dear to my heart. Her name is Carol Hewlin, and she's single and lives in Ontario, Canada. Carol is so very special to me, and I think you'll understand why when you hear our conversation today, and I just know you're going to love the sweet and simple way she bravely shares her story. In this episode, together, Carol and I discuss her abuse as a child, her withdrawal and isolation, alcohol use, abusive serial relationships, and promiscuity. Carol shares her anger and doubt in God, the way she found Jesus, and the struggle it was to let go of the shame and guilt and learn how to trust again. And you know, our stories, as we share our stories, they are so powerful, and that's what this podcast is all about, sharing all the ways that we've been through the mud and the awesome and amazing way God meets us in our most dark places, and brings good out of those points and happenings in our lives somehow. And that has certainly been true in Carol's life. And I just pray you are encouraged by her as she shares her story with you today. Enjoy. Hi, Carol. Welcome to the Mud Stories podcast. I'm so happy you said yes to my invitation.
2: Thank you. I I wondered why you invited me but hey I'm
0: here. Hmm. Well you my friend I have to say it was probably 8 years ago when I was at a women's retreat and I sat in a meadow. The speaker had told us to spend 3 hours alone with God writing down all the things that he'd blessed us with and all the regrets. And she had given us a piece of paper to list them on each side and you know with what I'd been through three hours to spend alone with God out in nature was a long time. And I was like, Oh, goodness, three hours. But while I was talking to him in that time, and I was reading my Bible and really meditating and trying to reconnect, I began to feel prompted by him. And it wasn't an audible voice, but it was like a small little whisper, you need to share your story. And It was such a poignant moment for me to recall because up until that time for like five to eight years, I had refused to believe that there was really any profitable reason to share my story, my personal med story with anyone. I mean, even the people we were in couples Bible study with that I was going to church with, I hadn't told anyone what I had been through. And that day, God prompted me with some questions and he said, do you trust me? Do you think that your failure was so amazing, so grievous, that the blood of Christ can't cover it? And why are you hoarding the mercy and grace that I've given you and not telling others all that I've done for you? And I was just floored. I was like, Lord, really? Like, this is the moment where I tell you how grateful I am and how sorry I am for all the things that I've done that haven't been pleasing to you and you comfort me with your love and to tell me that I'm more than enough in you. And he was kind of correcting me. And, um, you know, In the Psalms, it tells us to, Psalm 9 says, give thanks to the Lord with your whole heart and tell of his wonderful deeds. Psalm 71 talks about hoping continually and praising God and letting your mouth tell of his righteous acts and all the ways that he saves us. And I had just been resistant to do that. Well, anyway, long story short, slowly I began to share one person at a time. And at first it was just in person and then it was you know, leading a Bible study and sharing, and finally it ended up being online, writing out my story. And the whole time from that moment in the meadow, my deepest prayer to God was, okay, I will obey. I will do what you said. But if you would please be so gracious to allow me to see some of the fruit of what you're going to do by me being obedient, if you would just not only touch people's hearts, but if you would find somehow, some way, if there could be one person, just one someone who could find their way back to you because I dared to share, because I dared to tell my story, because I took a risk and and openly was transparent. And Carol Hewlin, God is so good because you are the answer to that prayer that I prayed those many years ago. And I just want you to know before we even begin to hear your story, you are loved and so very special, not only to me, but to God too. And He's used you in my life to affirm the way He is faithful, to meet us in what He calls us to do, and to be good, so good to us because He doesn't have to show us how He uses us, but He through you did that for me. And so thank you, thank you. For not only saying yes to meet me here at the podcast, but for saying yes to Jesus again.
2: I'm, I'm blushing and grinning at the same time here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, thank you for that. Yeah. Well, as we've gotten to know each other, you've shared much of your mud story with me. And I know life has not been easy for you. But also I know that you strongly now believe in the goodness of our God. So would you take us back, start at the beginning... As you were a child, where did your mud story begin? Hmm. Probably
2: when I was about five. A baby sister was born into the family. Uh, She only lived a month. And that changed what I call the family dynamic. My parents were mad at each other. I had just fed her the day before. I thought I had killed her. Uh, Nobody was talking to each other. And it just changed everything. And that was when the child abuse started, too. I, I kind of think my sister's death was kind of a trigger for all of it. And um, as with abused Child, it just tends to go downhill from there kind of thing. So
0: that was where it all started. How many other siblings did you have?
2: Uh, none. I don't have any other brothers or sisters. So that was your
0: only sister?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, so hard, so hard. So the abuse, you think, began out of anger? Was it your dad or your mom?
2: it was my dad. dad. Um, yeah, I don't know for sure, but yeah, I I think it was his way of coping, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: um, with this, with the situation. So, because they weren't talking to each other anyway, my parents. So I don't think they ever have discussed that even yet. They are still alive. Mm
3: -hmm. Um,
2: but it's just a a
0: buried issue. And so often, those kind of tragedies do get buried i mean they get suppressed and then what you're describing is maybe out of that desperation and anger and depression it got displaced on to you that that anger
2: exactly yeah Yeah, that would be a good way to put it yeah
0: yeah so hard
2: so growing up was not easy no and um what you learn you kind of repeat (laughs)
3: <laughs> mm.
2: I'm not a I'm not a counselor or an expert in this all, but but I know that um, you tend to grow up and and repeat the same thing. I ended up in in uh, an abusive relationship, common law relationship, so it just kept
0: repeating itself. Mm. So describe for us what that looked like. I mean, as a child, you were experiencing anger and wrath from your dad and. Other things, did it affect your friendships? Did it affect, obviously you're describing it affected your dating relationships. There's probably people out there who have experienced what you experienced. Some kind of tragedy, some kind of something, whether it was their parents' own background or some situation that happened. Set them off into a behavior that became abusive, and I'm guessing you're not alone. So talk us through what some of that felt like, what it looked like, and how then you progressed on through your teenage and young adult years toward being drawn to that kind of abusive relationship, how did it happen
2: the The word that comes to my mind is loner. I was always a bit of a loner um, I think that goes with abused children as well mm-hmm. we te- We tend to be loners um, stick to ourselves so i didn't have a you know a lot of friendships growing up. I had more friends in what we call elementary school, as opposed to secondary school, mm-hmm. um, high school. I didn't like that at all. That that was uh, very withdrawn, and and didn't have a lot of friendships there. Yeah, loner comes to mind. That's the word that would describe. But
0: why do you think you chose to be alone? Was it too scary to risk? Why do you think people who have experienced trauma like that tend to kind of isolate themselves? I think it's
2: self-preservation,
0: mm-hmm.
2: self self-protection. I don't know if we consciously think, "Oh, that person is going to abuse us," but there is trust issues very much trust yeah. issues, and uh, so yeah, you do kind of isolate and protect yourself, kind of put a bubble around yourself, yeah, um, just just for protection. Yeah, like it's
0: it's it's not worth a risk, mm-hmm. so to speak. So, as you started dating, how did that? manifest itself as you, you know, started reaching out and being interested in relationships? How did that work? It's funny,
2: because I never really dated. Uh, I didn't date through high school. I wasn't one of the popular girls. And when I went to college, we we kind of just ran as a pack. Uh, It was after college that I actually started dating. And Mm -hmm. I read somewhere one time that sometimes a guy seems to like you, so you attach yourself to them, whether they're safe or not, because you're, you you so want to be loved by someone. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's what happened in this case. When uh, he came along, it was, oh, he's interested in me, so I should be interested in him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm at that age where I should be thinking of getting married or settling down or something. And, and it's like, oh, you know, so... You go the other extreme, and instead of keeping yourself all bubble wrapped, you you open yourself up to to anything because you want to be accepted.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You want to fit in, and you want you want to be normal. Although there is no such thing as normal, but
0: yeah. you're hoping to find that normal. Describe for me where God was growing up for you. Were you raised in a in a Christian home? What was your background with that? Hmm.
2: Went to church every Sunday. Um, but not at a church that talked about a personal relationship with God. Never heard anything like that on a Sunday Mm -hmm. morning uh, or any other time either. So God was that big mysterious thing up there, a bit scary. Uh, I mean, judgmental God maybe would be Mm -hmm. a good way of describing it. He was there. He existed. I believe there was a God. I believe that he had sent his son, Mm -hmm. um, and that the stories in the Bible were true But I didn't really have any personal application of that It, it was just something that had been kind of presented to me As, as this is fact mm-hmm. But I don't think he was so much a, a, a god of rules He was just very far away
0: mm-hmm.
2: Not involved in our everyday activities kind of thing
0: Not applicable to your normal everyday life
2: Exactly That's yeah. a good way to put it Yeah
0: Okay, so you began to have a relationship. Tell us about what happened next. Hmm. What happened
2: next is the relationship ended up being very abusive.
0: Um, Okay, so another unhealthy relationship. Right. And so what was your response to that?
2: Actually, I still was going the extreme. After I ended that relationship, I kept doing other relationships, Mm -hmm. you know the The bed hopping thing, yeah. um well, it's
0: not uncommon, Carol. I mean sometimes when we begin to participate in certain lifestyles, some people I've heard it described as, well, I'm already a mess, I might as well just go all the way with being a mess. I might just might as well just run with it, you know, and um be the best mess I can be, so to speak, exactly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And when you were you were talking about the friends thing, I I didn't have a good set of friends either. And they were all involved in these activities. And drinking was another thing that was going on with all this, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was it was like a whole lifestyle thing. And God wasn't in the picture at all.
0: When you began to describe to me your story, you described it as it not being just one thing, but being a series of events that ended up becoming a downward spiral that really picked up speed as time went by.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it started out slow as a... That'd be a good way to put it. It started out slow as a child right through until I was 30. Um,
0: mm-hmm. So there was abuse as a child, withdrawing, then you came out of your shell a little bit more to the other extreme, some abusive serial relationships, some alcohol, some promiscuity maybe got it and then then what happened I was raped you were raped I'm so sorry Carol thank you so hard and I'm sad to say you're probably not alone no I think people don't talk about rape very much because it's such a personally violating event and um so heartbreaking and life-changing and yet it's real the pain is real no matter what has happened prior to the event because there really is no person who deserves to be violated that way no matter what so so i'm so sorry thank you so was that the bottom of your downward spiral yeah i would say that was when i
2: hit the very bottom um I isolated myself on purpose even more than I had previously. Um, I kind of call that stage in my life the hermitage stage. Mm -hmm. Uh, I only talked to people I absolutely had to talk to. I had to talk at work because I had to work. Um, If I hadn't had to work, that would have been... Ideal, but I had to work, so I talked to the people at work. Uh, but then I would go home and kind of lock myself in the house and not come out. It wasn't so much that I was afraid to come out of the house; it's just I didn't want to come out of the house if I didn't have to, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, quite happy to live inside and never come out, yeah. kind of thing. And that probably went on for about five years.
0: And how did you cope with the pain, Carol?
2: Because I... I think when you when I isolated myself like that, I just kind of shut down. Mm. Um, I didn't deal with the pain at the time. I buried it, mm. um, pretended it didn't happen, kind of thing. I buried the emotions, buried the thoughts, all that stuff. Um, you tried to forget that it happened. I watched a lot of TV. You know, you just do mindless stuff mm-hmm. and just don't think about it. Yeah. Just pretend pretend it's not out there.
0: Denial. You're describing denial. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, part of that isolation was, okay, well, for sure now I'm not going to risk again because I-, I tried that avenue and it just got me even more pain. So the withdrawal and denial was a way to cope with the pain. Mm-hmm. That, that- yeah. And I'm sure you're not alone. So where did you find yourself at with your relationship with God at that time?
2: In the moment, I would have said there was no God.
3: Hmm.
2: But, in hi- but in hindsight, he was there. Well, let's
0: talk about what you felt in the moment first. <laughs> okay. There was no God because you described to me earlier how you believed there was a God and how... You know the Bible was true, and and the pain propelled you to a place where you questioned or doubted that He was. And I think that's a place where a lot of people go. You know, the pain is so devastating that if there's a good God, then this wouldn't happen to me. So there must not be one.
2: Exactly. I think if I thought about a God at all, it was just in anger. Like, why would you let all of this happen mm-hmm. to me? you know if if you're this loving god that these churches over here talk about then what are you doing you know th- if if i had thought about him at all it would have it was in anger and but i didn't really think he exists existed so to speak
3: mm-hmm.
2: it was like he he can't exist because this stuff is going on so there can't be a god yeah so I started searching for a replacement, I guess, or for something mm-hmm. to, to pin my hopes to. This was probably about four years after the rape. I started searching. What did you find? Nothing that satisfied. Nothing? <laughs> I took a university <laughs> course on religion and learned all about all the different religions but none of them really answered the question or none of them made me feel better about myself. None of them uh, made me feel like
0: that being could help me feel better. It didn't resonate in your heart that they were true.
2: Exactly. They they weren't going to do anything for me. You
0: You were hoping hoping to find some magic, right? (laughs) I
2: was, I was. I thought if I get diploma or degree or whatever and – I have religious studies, and well, maybe that will answer. You know, mm-hmm. I'll have all this knowledge, and blah blah blah. And uh, it was stuff like that. Just mm-hmm. searching, doing a lot of reading on my own, and and. Uh, but it's funny because other things were happening at the same time. I stopped drinking. I stopped smoking. Um, you just stopped. Pretty much, yeah. They just kind of. It was like I don't want to do these anymore. Wow. It was kind of weird. Good job. It was like. Wow. And, uh, well, no, I think that was God. Yeah, I
0: think you're right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I think he, I think, when I look back on it, I can see where he was helping me. He was probably going, Carol, stop looking to all these other religions, and they're not going to do anything, you know. But he was helping me in little ways that I couldn't see at the time. Then one day I decided I want to buy a Bible. Uh, maybe study up more on this Christian religion that I'm supposed to be a member of this group of now. Okay. So I went to a Christian bookstore and um, bought a Bible and uh, the lady there invited me to come to church and I went to church and found the preacher was teaching the Bible, talking about the Bible. It wasn't what I expected because I was expecting what I'd grown up with Mm -hmm. and it totally was different because it was what we call Bible-based. The preacher was using the Bible and explaining it, and it was making sense. And and he wasn't just going on about other stuff and then attaching a scripture to it to make it sound good. What he was saying actually sounded good. So I wanted to learn more. (laughs) So you kept going? I kept going, and then this same lady took me to, uh, I don't know if you've heard of the Alpha program, but she took me to the Alpha program, and that was where I accepted Jesus.
0: Okay, so tell us, what's the Alpha program, because I've never heard of that.
2: Okay, the Alpha program uh, originated in England, and it is a 12-week program where you meet for dinner, you watch a video, and then you go off into small groups to discuss the video. And it's the basics of Christianity for non-believers.
0: Wow, that sounds so good. Because that sounds like it really explained things well and gave you room for discussion and to really bounce ideas and questions off of other people.
2: Yeah, it was a great time. The small group I was in had every age imaginable in it. There was a teenager in it, and there was a senior citizen in it, and everybody else in the middle. (laughs) And, um, yeah, we were free to ask questions and bounce ideas off each other, as you say. And it was almost like turning the proverbial light switch because I went from darkness to light. I remember one of the ladies at work said to me, Carol, you smile more than you have ever smiled. Mm. And she had probably worked with me for... 5 or 6 years. So I suddenly was smiling. I suddenly was happy. I was joyful. There's the word I'm looking for. Joyful. I was joyful because I felt new. Hmm. It didn't mean that I had uh, recovered from everything,
0: but there was new. There was there was this
2: underlying
0: joy. Okay, so you're going to church. You found Jesus in his grace. Yes. But I'm sure there were challenges.
2: Oh, yeah. It's kind of like your story where you know about your past in your head. You know you're forgiven. But deep down, you still kind of hold on to it. (laughs) It's like, he can never forgive that, that fully. It's like, well, he might forgive ninety percent of all the stupid, silly things I did, but he won't forgive that last ten percent or something like that. And you kind of hold on to it, and uh, so those feelings were still there—that feelings of shame and and how do I start over too? And and you know, if I, if I were to date again, for example, how do I, you know, what is the guy going to think? And mm-hmm. you know, oh, oh, that's an example. Of yeah. All those those things. Being a new Christian, you you kind of have more an- questions than answers yet. Um, and you don't realize that when he says he's given you mercy, that he does take away all that shame. We tend to kind of hold on to a bit of it. I kind of felt like he took away 90% of it, but he he wasn't going to take away all 100% of it. He was going mm-hmm. to kind of leave 10% hanging over me. Um yeah, there was still a lot I had to learn about God, about Jesus, about forgiveness, about letting go of that shame, about that it was okay to let go of that shame even, that he wanted me to let go of that shame. hmm So there was that learning curve of becoming a Christian and, and and just learning. And then, like you, I didn't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, my past, or that God had forgiven me, or shared my story, or anything, it was like, oh, let's just keep it to myself. Mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's safe.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And because of your past, you're afraid if you put yourself out there, you'll get hurt again. Mm-hmm. And... I don't want to get hard again, and I don't want to go through this stuff again. And
0: Yeah, I think guilt and shame is so real. It's so hard um, to really let that go. and And yet God's Word says that He has removed our sin as far as the East is from the West, that there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's good news, friend. The challenge is to let our hearts really absorb that. I mean, I think it's our minds can understand it in an intellectual way, but to let it seep all the way down into our hearts as being really true and transformative is the challenge.
2: And that takes time. I think that's one thing that we forget to tell new Christians sometimes, that it is going to take time Mm
3: -hmm.
2: um, and not to panic or not to think that. You're doing something wrong because everything doesn't write itself overnight. Right. Um, it, it's not that he can't and it's not that he doesn't. It's just that I think he wants us to learn and grow in stages. So
0: it is a process. It is a process. And it's how we learn to become more like him because we're dependent on him. Exactly. To help us because he promises to be with us in our struggles and in our learning and growing in the knowledge of Him and working out our salvation, right? Yeah, and that
2: process too, especially when you're like me who has trust issues. It took me a while to really trust Jesus. Even though I had accepted Him as my Lord and Savior, there there were trust issues that we kind of had to work out. And that took some time. Thank goodness He's a patient God. <laughs>
0: he is, he is. Well, I met you online. How, how did you start finding online friendships, blogs and all that sort of thing? Cause that's how we met.
2: Right. Yeah. Um, I got the internet about four years ago and heard about these things called blogs. So I started following some of these blogs and, and I can't, I can't remember Exactly how I got to your site. I always think it's a God thing, but uh, but I went too, friend. Yeah, but I was. Uh, um, I think I I had Googled something about shame. I was raped when I was 30. So this was four years ago. I was still four or five years ago. I was, well, actually only a year ago I was typing in shame because I was still feeling a little bit of shame for all the stuff I had done and all the relationships.
0: So how many years after the rape had that been? That would be 15, 20. Okay. So like we were talking about, it's it's a process. It is a process. Yeah. Process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Miss Carol's mm-hmm. Canadian, so I've got to change some of my enunciations. Mm-hmm. It's process I'm getting. Process. There you go. Did I say yeah, it Yeah, right? yeah. You did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And you popped up. <laughs> I popped up on your search for you shame.
2: Up. And again, And you were writing your, your stories out, and I think I came in at about number four. <laughs> Of your of your story, so I went. I read number four and was absolutely stunned by it. Stunned in a good way, but stunned by it. So I went back and read all the others, and it was like, you know, although our stories are different, they're the same. Many
0: of us share that that um, choosing something that we wish we wouldn't have chosen and the consequences of it to exactly. our to our own hearts is what you're describing. And
2: Yeah, so I kept following you because I wanted to know the rest of the story, you know. And and it was like it was like a revelation. So this would be what two years, two three years ago. That was
0: in December. It was a December. I want to say two thousand twelve. So I read all your posts and went wow,
2: (laughs) and prayed, and did a lot of praying and thinking, and thought yeah, he he has taken away all this shame. Mm -hmm. I just have to. I have to believe it. I I have to take that leap of faith kind of thing and and really believe it. And that's when things just started motoring. <laughs> um, mm. I did I did my profession of faith at church because I wanted to get up and tell people my story. Uh, that was the first time anybody except my closest friend had heard my story. It was
0: in my church. Um, There's power in that. There's some such power when we share our stories. You know, I I just so believe in that, you know, the darkness is broken. Light shines out of that darkness because we tell of what God's done for us. And I think it helps our own hearts to share, too. It it helps us to shed our shame. Yes. I
2: I was going to say it was such a release to tell it,
0: mm-hmm. to make
2: it kind of public Uh, in a safe place. I would say that's important, but yeah, just, just to get it out there and not have it buried inside anymore. And. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, I remember when you emailed me and you said, I'm going to share my story at my church and I was so excited, I, w- I just couldn't have been happier, and you sent me the link, I was able to watch the video online, in fact, I think it's on my blog, people can see it if they search, but maybe I'll have to find the link to that, but um, I was just so thrilled for you, just so thrilled, because I know what it felt like to finally speak out loud my past, and see that I wasn't going to get rejected. For the most part, the people in my life that I thought were only loving me because of who they thought I was, it really ended up being that they loved me, all of me, no matter what. And I'm sure you've experienced the same thing. Yes.
2: The church as a whole accepted me as, okay, this is how Carol was, but this is how Carol is now kind new, of thing. New creation. And, uh, yep. New creation. And getting it out there is actually, I think, part of that new creation because it, it releases you.
0: And the Bible says when we confess our sins one to another, we are healed. And I think there's power in that confession to really put on display the goodness of the grace of God that we've received and for us to communicate hope that those people who are hearing our story can have hope too because God can do the same thing for them
2: exactly yeah it's uh it's it's worth it worth getting up in front of your church for example, and telling them your story it is worth the the sweat and and the fear and and mm-hmm. all that and 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 like you typing it out and putting it on a blog it, it that was probably very fearful, but it was it probably felt good too yeah. to to get it out there you know and that would be one thing i would say you know get it out there even if it's just at the first step telling your best friend or whatever mm-hmm. because
0: there's power it doesn't have to be a big group of people it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. in front of a church it can there's power in just speaking truth even to one other person just you know releasing it from within our own selves within our own isolated places I think there's, there's freedom and power and healing in that. Exactly. Yeah, and there's just such good that can come that we can't even really begin to understand how God will choose to use our offering of sharing, you know, what he's done for us, because he weaves and works for good all things. And I love how he's done that and is doing that in your life. So since getting acquainted with you, you have connected with online friends and communities. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing, what you're involved with, and how you got connected.
2: The first time I emailed you, I think I just said something like, thank you for sharing your story. And then you actually emailed me back, which I totally didn't expect. I figured, oh, she probably doesn't even read it, but hey, I'm going to send it anyway. (laughs) And uh, that encouraged me to, well, to email you more, drive you crazy. Um,
0: You're not driving me crazy, never. (laughs) And then it encouraged
2: me to do other things too. I kept finding all these different blogs and I would contact these people. And uh, so I've built relationships Mm -hmm. with, with some of these online people. And and. Some of them I've actually been able to meet in person, like Emily Warenga. I've been able to meet her, and now I'm on the board of directors for her Lulu tree, mm. for our Lulu tree uh, yes, ministry. So and, good.
0: Emily has been on the podcast.
2: Yeah. And um, then I found out about Hello Mornings, so started being a member of Hello Mornings. And it's like an online Bible study on Facebook. The first hello mornings group I was in was run by Denise Hughes. So I got to know her. And then then somebody else took over leaving the group, Shelley, and um Shelley asked me if I would help her out by doing one day a week. So now I'm doing 2 days a week and co-leading a hello mornings group. And it, it's just been a progression and met a lot of people online and went to a retreat uh called refine mm-hmm. uh run by Chris Cameli. Chris
0: Cameli's retreat uh, awesome.
2: And uh, and that was way out of my comfort zone too, but I went. Hmm. Good for you. Good for me. <laughs> and now the the most way out of the comfort zone I am, I've gone back to college. You
0: have. Tell us about that. Uh, I'm
2: taking biblical studies. Uh, some first semester. Uh, I'm very old compared to a lot <laughs> of the students. <laughs> oh, Carol. Uh, it's been a learning curve. Things are so much different than they were way back when. Mm-hmm. But I really felt God calling me to go back to college. I have no idea where this is going to lead, which is for someone who who had trust issues was very was a very hard thing to do to say "I'm going to school, and I'm not a hundred percent sure why I'm going to school but mm-hmm.
0: well, because not only did you have to enroll and risk that, but you had to move. you had to exactly yeah you had to move, and I love how God has taken your life that really it was a challenge for you to trust for all those years, and he's gently teaching you little by little, one little thing at a time, bit like building blocks. He's teaching you how to trust him and to trust others.
2: Yeah. It it kind of makes me, I've been thinking about it just as we're talking about it now. And it's part of having both feet in his kingdom. I've had to trust that this is what I'm supposed to be doing, even though I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And, and the world kind of thinks I'm crazy. You come back <laughs> to school.
0: You're at your age. And what had you done before? Like all these years, what has been your occupation? I worked in
2: the hotel industry for 25 years.
0: Okay. So service industry. So that's very different mm-hmm. than biblical studies. <laughs> it is. It sure is. Yeah.
2: Um, and I struggled with it for like two years. Do I go? Do I not? Are you crazy, Lord? You know, mm. but but uh, I've learned it's okay to say that to him, too, to to actually talk to him, to have a conversation like you and I are having and, yeah. and saying, Lord, I think you're crazy to want me to go back to school. But now that I'm here, I know I'm supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, as I I don't know the 100% why, but I know it's right.
0: And this is where I'm supposed to be now. And who knows? Well, it's been so fun talking to you today. And as we consider in closing your story, what God's done in your life. And as we think about maybe that person who's out there who maybe is in that hermitous stage, somebody who has despair or great pain or is in denial or still relying on habits or addictions, what advice would you give them today? If you could speak directly to them, what would you say? Don't
2: give up, talk to Jesus. Like really talk to him, have a conversation with him, even if it's um, um, an angry rant. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: He wants to do relationship with you and relationship sometimes is anger. Mm -hmm. Um, Seek help if you need help. And that could be a friend or that could be professional counseling, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't have a lot of friends, so I kind of didn't have that option, Mm -hmm. but... Yeah, if you've got friends you can reach out to, reach out to them. And yeah, just talk to God. I think that's the most important thing. Even if it is in anger, talk to him because he wants to hear from you and he will reply in in his own unique way. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. And it doesn't have to necessarily be um, some big, huge, profound way, but it could just be little baby steps. I love how Emily Ruwenga says, if we just open our hands and surrender and just ask him, God, show me your real, show me, help me see with my eyes and look for you in all the little things. He is faithful to show up and do that. He really is, if we're looking.
2: Yeah, because that would be a good way to put it. Yeah, Pre-Christian, I probably had clenched hands, but to open them up and and uh, just leave them open and he will grasp them. And But
0: we have to surrender, right? And we have to be willing to right. really seek really want to hear and see him work in our lives. So I'm believing with you that there's somebody out there that's going to have hope today because you dared to say yes to me and be here, Carol, and share your mud story. And again, I'm just so thankful for you. I'm thankful you reached out and sent me that email. I'm thankful that that we're just here together giving thanks for what God's done in our lives. And I just can't be more grateful you joined me.
2: I do hope that someone... We'll find Jesus and, and, and find the help so that they don't end up living like a hermit is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, because we were made for community. We really were.
2: I still kind of struggle with that sometime. But yes, I do agree. We were made for community.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, Carol. Well, thank you again. Thank you so much again for talking to me today. I loved it. You're welcome. I loved it, too. All right. Have a good week. <laughs> okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's all for this episode. I hope you enjoyed hearing Carol as much as I enjoyed talking with her. And I'm just so thankful that she said yes to join us here at Mud Stories. And you know, in light of everything she shared, and in consideration of the fact that she shared her personal Mud story, I really do think there's so much truth to the fact that when we share our stories, a part of our hearts is set free. And I'm wondering if there's part of your story today that you are feeling compelled to share with someone, a part of your heart that has been holding back, that's been wondering if people really knew this about me, maybe they wouldn't like me, maybe there's guilt or shame that you're trying to wrestle down, and you know, Carol and I would just love to encourage you today that there is hope. For you, That no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've chosen, no matter what's been done to you, God loves you and he wants to help set you free. And sometimes part of doing that is really taking that risk and sharing our story with someone. And so if we can be an encouragement to you today to do that, that's what we want to do. So as always, you can find the show notes and all the links mentioned in this episode at JackieWatkins.com forward slash episode 22, or you can always just go to MudStories.com and that'll take you right there. Also, I would love it if you would consider supporting the Mud Stories podcast by heading over to MudStoriesBook.com where you can get a free audiobook today All you have to do is sign up for a free 30-day trial which can be canceled by you at any time. You will receive a free audiobook downloadable today and in return, I will receive a small commission to help offset the cost of this podcast. And I just think it's such a win-win. You know, you get a book, it helps the podcast out. And so if you are willing or able to do that, I would so appreciate it. Again, you can go to Book. Dot com, And as usual, if you've enjoyed this episode or any of the previous episodes, I would be so grateful if you would be willing to head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review and please subscribe to the podcast. You'll receive each new episode automatically each and every time one is released and all you have to do is go to your podcast app on your Apple device or you can go to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast there. And there's a spot for uh, writing a rating and a review. And even just one little sentence helps to give more awareness to this podcast and bring more encouragement to others so that they can know there is nothing that God cannot redeem. So you can get over to the ratings by going to JackieWatkins.com forward slash iTunes. And in advance, Thank you, thank you, thank you so very much. And so today, no matter what we're facing, where we've been, or what lies ahead, may we all find our grateful song to sing. Have a beautiful day.
1: never any mother fails to press upon my mind. A pull of shame that leaves me a little bit blind. I cannot see beyond the plane. and I never will find a way out. And then I feel you next to me. You lift my head to see. Your strong arm reaches to me. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place. feels a press upon my mind, a pull of shame, that leaves me a little bit blind, I cannot see beyond the blame, and I never will find a way out. And then I feel you next to me, you lift my head to see, your strong arm reaches to me, Your mercy floods my tired soul As you lift me out of my muddy hole You wash me off with your sweet grace And you lead me to a safer place You overwhelm my broken thoughts And you mend my lost and damaged heart I find myself where I belong in your safety. place a grateful song to sing, a grateful song to sing, a grateful song.